So have you ever given somebody the wrong compliment? Yeah. Have you ever said the wrong thing at the, at the wrong time? You ever heard the story about the husband and wife that were shopping at the mall one day? And the wife was out, you know, trying on some new outfits. And, and the husband was sitting in the, you know, little sitting area outside of the dressing room. And, and she came out with this new outfit on. And she's standing in front of the mirror. And she's like, honey, this outfit, it just makes me look fat. I'm discouraged. Come on, tell, tell me something. Give me a compliment. Her husband did not look up from the game he was playing on his smartphone and simply said, well, your eyesight is perfect. Mall security says to this day they are still finding pieces of his phone all over the mall. Yeah. You got to be careful sometimes with the compliments that you give. You also have to be careful sometimes with giving things away. I heard about a guy named Rick. He was going to give away his whole collection of Disney Pixar movies to his friends. But not all of them. He wanted to keep some. But one of his friends just kept demanding that he give all of his movies to him but Rick said look man no matter what you say I'm never going to give you up yeah if you got that I'm sorry if you didn't get it don't worry about it uh, your life will be fine um, it, you'll never need to understand that unnecessary hilarious quip so you, you'll be alright it's fine no big deal what kind of giver are you what kind of giver are you? Do you give compliments to your family and your friends? Do you give compliments to strangers? Do you give of your time and your energy and your efforts? Do you sacrifice toward serving other people? Do you give gifts to people who are in need? Do you give money to the work of the gospel? What kind of giver are you? Or are you a never-giver, you know? You, you never really give compliments to people. You never really give your time in serving others. You never really give gifts to other people, and you never really give money, even money especially to the work of the gospel. Well, does it matter? Does it matter if you're a giver or a keeper? Does, does it really matter? Well, what if I were to tell you that the absolute greatest gain you can have in your life comes from giving? Well, if that's the truth, then that makes being a giver a, a whole other world, right? We continue our series today, 7G, the speed that you need. And each week we take a theme from the Bible that begins with the letter G. Uh, and today our theme is give. Our message today is Give. Maybe you already figured that out. We're going to be asking the Apostle Paul to help us from his letter to the church at Galatia. So listen as we begin in Galatians chapter 6, beginning with verse 7. Galatians 6, verse 7. Paul writes, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, this he will also reap. Those are some of the most important words that Paul ever wrote to a church. What you sow is what you will reap. If you plant corn, then you should expect that corn is going to come out of the ground. But if you don't plant corn, then you are cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs if you think corn is going to come up out of the ground. 
What you sow is what you reap. One day Jesus was teaching and he said this in Matthew 7, Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name cast out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Jesus, we were there on Easter Sunday and Christmas Sunday and, and, and we helped out a lot and we volunteered and, and we gave some money every now and then the missions offerings. Come, come on, Jesus. And Jesus said, and then I will declare to them, I never knew you depart from me here's one of the most important questions of your universe your individual universe and that question is this are things truly right between you and God or put another way has the gospel of Jesus Christ truly been planted in your heart when it comes to how your life functions every day, has the good and great and fantastic news about Jesus Christ captured your heart in such a way that when the stress and the strain and the fears of life or the fear of death come up, that your reaction, your response is to keep believing in Jesus, to keep trusting in Jesus, to keep relying on Jesus, and to keep clinging to Jesus. And if that is not true, if that's not your lean, if that's not your bend, if that's not who you are most of the time or even occasionally, then Paul would say, do not be deceived. Do not think that you can sow whatever you want to in life and still reap a ticket to heaven. One of the other translations of Galatians takes verse 7 and gives it this wording. Do not be deceived and deluded and misled. God will not allow himself to be sneered at, scorned, disdained, or mocked by mere pretensions or professions or by his precepts being set aside. He inevitably deludes himself who attempts to delude God. You cannot delude God. God will not be mocked. A profession of faith is not proof that there is a possession of faith. To turn to Jesus, to have your heart captured by Jesus, it's something that is real. It can't just be ceremony. Throughout history, we see recorded in the Bible, there are people that, that tried to mock God. We see that Goliath tried to mock God and, and he lost his head. There was someone named Gehazi that mocked God and he was struck with leprosy. You have Herod, he mocked God and he was eaten up by worms and died. And then there was a couple, Ananias and Sapphira, they mocked God and they just dropped dead. So the statistics are not good when it comes to mocking God. You, you want to steer clear. And so Paul, in kindness and love and mercy, is saying, please do not be deceived. You cannot mock God. You cannot play games with God. What you sow is what you will reap. So what are you sowing with your life? Paul goes a little deeper. Listen to verse 8. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. What does it mean to sow to the flesh? What does this language mean? 
Well, if we jump back one chapter to Galatians chapter 5, Paul gives us a list of what he refers to as the, the deeds of the flesh. So, so we can look at this list and kind of see this is the idea behind sowing to the flesh. So this was the list, Galatians chapter 5, 19 and 21. Immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these. So, so he kind of tags at the end. There's, there's a lot of things that are also like these things. Now, there's a, a paraphrase of the Bible known as the message. Well, the message gives some very intriguing description to this list. So listen to how it unfolds this list with a little more detail. It describes the deeds of the flesh like this. Repetitive, loveless, cheap sex. A stinking accumulation of mental and emotional garbage. Frenzied and joyless grabs for happiness. Trinket gods. Magic show religion. Paranoid loneliness. Cutthroat competition. All-consuming yet never satisfied wants, a brutal temper, an impotence to love or be loved, divided homes, divided lives, small-minded pursuits, lopsided pursuits, the vicious habit of depersonalizing everyone into a rival, uncontrolled and uncontrollable addictions. Ugly parodies of community, and on and on, it says, the list could go. Those descriptions are, are intriguing. They, they give a little meat to the bone, so to speak. And what Jesus and Paul are saying is the exact same thing. They're saying, if those are the kinds of things that mark the most consistent habits of your life, you should not expect to reap the words, well done. In fact, Jesus says, if those are the things that consistently mark who you are in your life, you should expect to reap the words, depart from me. They're strong, but, but they're true. And again, these are words not just from the Bible in general. They're words from Jesus specifically. But someone might say, well, hey, wait a minute. What about once saved, always saved? Well, absolutely. Amen. Once saved, always saved. But you have to be once saved. And if you are once saved, something happens. Once saved, you start serving the one who saved you. That's, that's how the math works. Now, not perfectly because none of us are perfect. But if someone is rescued by Jesus Christ, if their heart is captured by Jesus, there is this movement. They don't spend the rest of their lives sowing to the flesh. Now, when your heart is captured by Jesus, when you are once saved, you begin to sow the seeds of the gospel with your life. It's, it's a mark of what it looks like. Paul gives us a little more of a description of this continuing in verse 8. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. So we got sowing to the flesh. Paul's given us a picture of that. And now he says, sowing to the Spirit. Now, the language here is not churchy and religious and hard to understand, right? If you sow to the flesh, 
you're going to reap corruption. You're going to reap destruction. And if you sow to the Spirit, you're going to reap satisfaction. You're going to reap eternal life. It's, it's not hard math. But how do you sow to the Spirit? That, that sounds like big language. How do, you, how do you do it? Well, again, let's jump back to chapter 5. Paul gives another list. It's not the deeds of the flesh. He, he gives what he refers to as the fruit of the Spirit. So we could say the, the fruit or the seed of the Spirit looks and sounds like this. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So again, Jesus and Paul, they're saying the same thing. If those are the things that are the most consistent things seen in your life, then you should expect to reap the words, well done, not depart from me. The language is, is not hard, it's not difficult. It's very simple, but it's also very clear. Now, some of them say, well, so hang on, you're saying if I just do those things in that list, I'm on my way to heaven, I got it, you know, I got to just check off all those things and, and I'm good. No. See, what the Bible is saying is this, is that when it comes to sincerely and genuinely and unselfishly living out the, the, the fruit of the Spirit, so to speak, you are not able to do that with sincerity unless Jesus has captured your heart, unless Jesus has rescued from the grip of the curse of sin. See, we can't follow the list. Maybe every now and then, every third Tuesday, I don't know, maybe you're patient, you know, every Thursday morning, you know, but you may not be patient that night. And so we, we can't perfectly follow this list. We need to be rescued. We need to be saved. And so salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. And once that salvation comes, that salvation gets planted in your heart and the work of the Spirit begins to reap the glory of God, the grace of God, the mercy of God in your life. It is seen. It is there. One night Jesus was talking to a man named Nicodemus and, and he told him that the way you know that someone has been made right with God is that you see the evidence of the Spirit in their life. And the way Jesus described it was like this. He said the Holy Spirit blows on a person's heart and mind and soul and, and causes them to be born again. And then the Holy Spirit begins to work on that person from the inside and what is done is shown on the outside. Billy Graham in describing the, the notion of the Holy Spirit and the work of, of what happens in this sowing of the seed, the way it, it comes together. He said it this way, I can't see the wind, but I can see the effects of the wind. None of us are perfect, but part of what it means to be right with God, to be saved and redeemed, to be once saved, is that there is evidence of the Holy Spirit, evidence, effects of the Holy Spirit in a person's life. And when that's there, the, the Holy Spirit is, is blowing wind into that person's heart and mind and soul, and something happens in their lives. What is that something? Listen to verse 9. Let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. What the Holy Spirit is doing is blowing that wind inside of us to do good, to do good, to do good. Not to do good to be right with God, 
but to do good because we are right with God. When we are right with God, we will do good. And we will also get tired. And we will also get weary. Tammy's prayer at the beginning of the service was just spot on because some of us are very tired and weary today, right? Is, is there something in your life right now, someone in your life right now, that you are going out of your way for? I mean, just giving and giving and giving, sacrificing and sacrificing and sacrificing. Hundreds of different ways every week that you are, you are trying to serve, that you're trying to sacrifice, and it never seems like it's enough. Are you there? You got that moment? You got that person? You got that situation? Well, if that's you and that's how you feel, Paul's got a message for you. And his message is this. Hang in there. He, he says, don't lose heart. Keep doing good. Keep believing in the gospel. Keep putting your trust in Jesus. Keep sowing your seed to the Spirit. And see, we, we are tempted to stop doing that, right? We get tired and we're, we're, we don't want to do any of it. And Paul knows that. Paul was no different. He says, look, hang in there. Don't lose heart. You'll feel like you're losing heart, but don't lose heart. Keep doing good. Keep believing in the gospel. Keep putting your trust in Jesus. Keep sowing to the Spirit. Why? Well, Paul says in due time, you will reap the reward. And when's due time? Well, due time is usually never when we want it to be, right? <laughs> Whether you're 8 years old or 18 years old or 80 years old, we live in a culture of instant gratification. We do not feel like we should ever have to wait on anything ever, ever. We shouldn't have to wait for fried chicken at the drive-thru. We shouldn't have to wait on test results from the doctor. We shouldn't have to wait on the septic tank truck at our house. We shouldn't have to wait on uh, new movie releases on Tubi. We shouldn't have to relate on the new re wait on the new release of the big cup Reese's that has bacon in it. That's not a thing, just so you know. But it should be a thing, right? I feel like it should be a thing. We don't want to wait. We don't feel like we should have to wait. And that's not a teenage thing. That's an every age thing. I've seen it a hundred times with a hundred different people this week. We don't want to wait. In the words of the band, not the head of the commonwealth, we want it all and we want it now. Right now, we, we don't want to wait. And that's what makes it so interesting that Paul would use the picture of a seed. Right? Because when you plant a seed, it ain't going to produce fruit immediately. <laughs> it doesn't happen. And yet that's the picture that Paul gives us. See, the the fruit that we want in life is not going to happen fast. It's not going to happen fast in your marriage, with your kids, with uh, your family, your friends, your neighbors. It's not going to happen fast in the church. It's not going to happen fast in government. It's not going to happen fast at the DMV. It ain't going to happen fast anywhere you are. See, spiritual fruit, it, it just takes time. So due time may take some time. In fact, due time you may never see in this life. Due time may be only at the moment that you die and live forever with Jesus. But here's the great thing about that. Living forever with Jesus means you are no longer tired and weary. 
It's, it's not possible to be tired and weary when you are forever with Jesus. There is energy, there is hope, there is peace, there is joy, there is happiness, there is satisfaction, and it never fades. Never. So Paul says, hang in there. Because in due time, you'll reap the reward. And the reward may not start for 10 years. It may not start for 50 years. But that reward will be strong and sure and satisfying 10,000 years from now. Nothing and no one else can make that promise to you. Due time may take some time. But in another sense, due time is right now. It's, it's right now. There's a song written many years ago by a man named Daniel Whittle, and he described that right now vibe like this. I know not what of good or ill may be reserved for me. No clue what's happening this afternoon or next Wednesday or three weeks from now. Don't, don't know. I, I don't know what's happening. Of weary ways or golden days, things may be great, things may be terrible. Before his face I see. But I know whom I have believed. And I am persuaded that he is able to keep what I've given to him, namely my soul, my life. He's able to keep it against and until that day that I will be with him. See, due time is right now because I know whom I have believed. Due time is right now because I've been rescued and I've been redeemed by Jesus Christ. Due time is right now because I am his and he is mine. Nothing can separate from me from God right now. So due time is right now. My reward, in a sense, is right now because I am his and he is mine. Listen, you may be tired and weary today. Maybe your spouse or or your kids, or your parents, or your grandparents, or your, your boss, or your teacher, your pastor. Um, I don't know, the guy you buy a bowl of peanuts from. I don't know. I don't know who's wearing you out, you know. We, we all have people in our lives that seem to wear us down and, and wear us out. And, and that may be where you are right now. Maybe, maybe you're in this season of life where the thrill of serving other people, it ain't there. Maybe you're in this season of life where, where the thrill of serving Jesus, it's, it's just not there. So let me just say this. It's okay. It's okay. We get tired and weary. We just do. We get tired and weary sometimes because things are just so busy. We get tired and weary because sometimes the person we're trying to help, they are impossible. Sometimes we get tired and weary because it just takes too long for something to grow. We get tired. We get weary. And when we get tired and weary, there is one particular sin that we seem to all commit. We're tempted toward this one sin, and we, we seem to give in to the temptation every single time. And, and what is that temptation? What is that sin? Well, here's the temptation. It's the temptation and the sin to forget we forget we forget who we believe in 
we take all this trust and, and confidence that we have in Jesus and when we're sitting in the hospital or we're sitting in traffic or when we're sitting at work or school or, or wherever it may be in that moment, we take all that confidence we have in Jesus and we transfer it to another account somewhere. An account of fear or stress or worry or anxiety or, or we try to transfer it into another person or another situation. We, we transfer the hope we have in Jesus into something else and then we're surprised that we stay discouraged. And Paul says, don't transfer. Don't, don't do it. Don't, don't lose heart. Keep doing good. When no one says thank you. When no one acknowledges you. When no one gives you a pat on the back. When no one tells you great job. When your name is not printed on a, a poster or a brass plaque. Who cares? Your heart has been captured by Jesus Christ. You've been rescued and redeemed by the Savior of the world. Do good because He has done great to you. Keep doing good. Keep believing in the gospel. Keep putting your trust in Jesus. Keep sowing to the Spirit. Keep on, keep on, keep on. You'll get tired, you'll get weary, but don't lose heart. Keep sowing. And how do we do that? What, it, what does it look like in real life, so to speak? I love what P.G. Matthew says. He says, the seeds we sow are largely thoughts and deeds. So, the seeds that you sow may never get you on the Christian radio station. You know? They may never get you on the stage at the church. You know? They may never get you on the bestseller list at the bookstore or whatever it may be. But the seeds that matter the most are usually our thoughts and our deeds. Meaning the, the most important ways you can do good in this world, first and most, is how you think. And then how you act. And here's the math. The math is the more you fill your heart and mind with the true things about God, it's amazing. It just happens. It's automatic almost. Your deeds will start looking like the truths of God. But the less we fill our hearts and our minds with the true things about God, the less our deeds will look like the true things about God. But when you're tired and weary... It's hard to think, right? It's hard to think. It's hard to do when you're tired and weary. That's what's great about the church. You know, we, we aren't just like some religious denomination with a bunch of ceremonies here on the corner. I remember the first time I stepped into this room on a Sunday morning and I looked out. And I, I, quite honestly, I was shocked because there were just so many young people in the audience that first Sunday I came. And I remember my joy and my excitement in that moment was if you pull up and you're driving through downtown, this doesn't look like the cool, hip church that all the young people would be at, you know? This is the beautiful, gorgeous red brick building with the gigantic steeple and the glorious stained glass windows on the corner in a town, and it's been here a long time. You automatically think, well, I'm going to go in there, and there's going to be a lot of sweet old people. And you know what? There are a lot of sweet old people, but there's also a lot of sweet young people. And God has been doing this amazing work in the life of this church for more than six decades. But it's not just about this building and this room. That's, that's not the beauty and the glory of, of how God works. But boy, it helps 
to have people when we're tired and weary, right? For me, it is so good after the last couple of weeks of my life, it's great to stand in this room with you and to sing. There is no rival and there is no equal. His name is above all other names. Now, no doubt, I can stand in here by myself and sing that, but it'd be kind of weird and dumb, right? But to do it with y'all, it's fantastic. So there's something beautiful about the church and beautiful about life groups and beautiful about Bible studies and beautiful about texting fellow church members and calling church fellow church members and going out for Mexican and coffee and whatever else. There's something beautiful about the life we have together. And there's something great about the help that we get from the church when we're tired and weary. And there's something great about the help that we get from Bible studies and and Christian radio when we're tired and weary. And, And there's something great about the help we can get from a gas station when we're tired and weary. Yeah, I did just say gas station, all right? Hang with me. So I shared with you last Sunday that uh, my dad uh, was in the hospital with pancreatitis. We, we were able, uh, by God's grace, to get him home Monday night. He's still super weak, uh, but doing much, much better. Uh, but, you know, we, we overcame uh, the, the hospital, but in the words of the 80s philosophers, the fix, you know, one thing leads to another, you know, and, and you finish one thing, and the next thing is right there waiting for you. So got dad home, and and, uh, I've been driving down after work uh, this week, helping out with them at night. And so this Friday night, I I roll in, and my dad comes from walking to the back of the house. He's like, I think the toilets are messed up. And I just remember, I'm standing at the door. I got, like, grocery bags, and I was like, come on, Lord, really? Come on. So for the rest of the Friday night, I was on the phone with with plumbers and septic tank people, and and again uh, yesterday morning, and praise God for Roger from Budget Sewer Services and Augusta who came and got everything flowing again. Good man, good man. But you know, after all of that and the adventure of Friday night and yesterday morning and, and eventually I get ready to leave yesterday afternoon and you know, I'm, I'm a little mentally tired, you know, after the last couple of weeks. And so I'm, I'm thinking, all right, well, I got to get in the car and jump on the interstate and drive back to to Lexington, and I, I gotta gotta get moving and working on my sermon. You know, I mean, gosh, I, I got I got a I got a full day left, and I'm not even not even home yet. So I go by the same gas station uh, every night before I leave, and uh, it's usually after midnight when I get there. So I'm the only person in there. Um, so I've got to know everybody in there, and so I go in, and I always get the same thing. I get a, a cup of crushed ice, and I get a, a bottle of vitamin water, and I get this huge, gigantic Reese's peanut butter cup cookie. Yeah, I mean, the cookie and the vitamins, I got them all together at the same time. They, they work. They work. And so yesterday before I left, I decided I'd do the same thing, and I stopped and got my vitamin water and, and my cookie. And, and, but when I walked into the gas station, uh, a little tired, a little weary, I walk into the gas station, and, and there's this song playing over the music, over the, the loudspeakers in the gas station. And it's not the song that you would ever think you would hear walking into a gas station. And as I walked in and that song just hit me as soon as the the door opened, there was just this immediate thing that happened in my heart and my mind and my soul. Those words just immediately said, hey, Dow, don't lose heart. Hang in there. Keep believing in the gospel. Keep putting your faith and trust in Jesus. Keep sowing to the Spirit. 
And you know what? Something's going to go wrong this afternoon, Dow. It will, you know. Something else is going to happen. You, you still got to drive down the interstate. You still got to go back and work. And, and when you get home, there'll be something to do with your family. And somebody might call about a funeral. And they did. And, and, and who knows what's going to happen the rest of this afternoon, Dow. It, it may not get... Maybe your septic tank is going to go out when you get home, you know. So the reality of everything that could go wrong hit me at the same exact moment that the reality that if it does go all wrong there's something I have so these are the words of the song that we're playing as I walked into the gas station why should I feel discouraged why should the shadows come why should my heart be lonely when Jesus is my portion my constant friend is he his eye is on the sparrow and I know he watches me if Jesus is your portion be a giver if Jesus is your constant friend then be a giver give compliments to your family and your friends and to strangers Give your time and your energy and your sacrifice toward serving other people. Give gifts to people who are in need. Give money to the work of the gospel. Or maybe as Paul might say, sow good deeds for the gospel. Sow good thoughts for the gospel. Sow good attitudes for the gospel. Sow good seeds, sow good deeds for the gospel. And when you get tired, and you will. And when you get weary, and you will. Remember this. If Jesus is your portion, if Jesus is your constant friend, then you have gained the greatest wealth that any person could possibly have. To gain Jesus is to gain everything. And also when you're tired and weary, and you will be, in that moment, remember, dear Christian, that if his eye is on the sparrow, then his eye will be on you. And not just his eye, but because of Jesus Christ, it's not just that God is watching over you. It's that God will never give you 